reading from Matthew. Then he called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles. Then the disciples approached and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees took offense at what they heard you say? He said, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if one blind person guides another, both will fall in a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain this parable to us. Then he said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? But what comes out of the mouth and proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. For out of the heart come evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. Jesus left that place and went to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urging him said, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. The word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? God, sometimes, sometimes it is hard to feel that we are drawn in the circle of your love, that we are worthy of your mercy. And so we make your call harder than it really is. Why is it so hard to accept that we are accepted? That there's nothing we need to do to earn your love, mercy, and acceptance. Open us this morning to hear this story. To receive the lesson that your circle is wide. That just as the universe is expanding, so is your sense of community. 
There are no boundaries in you. There is only love, mercy, and acceptance. So may we rest a while and accept that we are accepted. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you this day. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. How many of us grew up hearing that on the playground from teachers or parents as ways to make sense and process that sometimes bullies happen, but that they don't have power, that sticks and stones can break your bones, but words can never hurt you. I certainly did. And I remember raking leaves sometime in earlier elementary school, helping dad in the yard in the fall and having to separate out the sticks and the acorns from the leaves for the city to come pick up. And picking up sticks gave me that phrase again in my head. And so I tried to make up a song or something. And probably I was thinking about the bullies in my class that sometimes went after my friends and sometimes went after me and how to make myself feel better and to have a way to say, nope, they don't get to say that. And I did some research because I couldn't get this phrase again out of my head with a similar kind of situation in scripture. There's some words getting thrown around that are hurtful. So this phrase came back to me and I looked it up online and the earliest instance of this phrase being used that I could find was in 1862, in a magazine called The Christian Recorder, in 1862, think about what was going on in 1862, this, this magazine advised its mostly black readership to remember the old adage, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never harm me, and that true courage consists in doing what is right, despite the jeers and sneers of our companions. Now, these are nice proverbial words about courage, but the old adage has been proven over and over again to be false at best, an enabling justification for receiving abuse at worst. Words can harm, often more than sticks and stones. We know this. We live in the 21st century with print media and social media everywhere we turn. There are words everywhere. And it's not only what words mean, but it's where they're spoken that's also taking on some significance. So after being in deserted places and on turbulent waters, Jesus is now in Jerusalem, the center of religious power and history talking with the Pharisees, the tradition keepers, about what true religion and right relationships are based upon. Now, this is no small debate in a city with a long history of being invaded and overthrown by armies, and that's currently occupied by Rome, whose leaders viewed the city and the region of Judea as a hotbed for political and religious uprising. The question 
for all living in that time was how to be faithful under occupation. When sticks and stones and words have the ability to do great harm. At issue is the tension between the letter of the law upholding sanctity of place, people, and practice. In tension with the spirit of the law that understands sanctity through the values of inclusive hospitality and restoring right relationships. But this is a tension that doesn't just stay in the first century. It's a tension that's in every group that tries to set itself apart in some way, shape, or form from the rest of the culture around it. And it's a problem that faces every people group in that the way we tend to treat people starts to fall along a hierarchy of importance. Because broadening the definition of who is socially accepted is hard. So it's easier to fall back on enforcing rules and regulations for in-group and out-group relationships. Which means an inevitable denial of someone's sacred worth. So Jesus gets to this tension in kind of a crude way, to be honest, but he kind of makes his point. Yesterday's lunch flushed down the toilet. But the impact of words and actions remain with a person's heart and in their psyche for years, sometimes for generations. So since he's talking to the tradition keepers, the ones who focus on the Ten Commandments as their rules, their standards for setting the people of Israel apart, Jesus lifts them up, particularly the last five of the Ten Commandments, and refreshes their spirit, gives them a new context and relevance. These things that defile, Jesus says, things like evil intentions, murder, adultery, sexual exploitation, theft, false witness, and slander, these things cannot be washed off with soap and water. These are actions that damage right relationships with God and make trust of your neighbor nearly impossible. So that true community where everyone has a stake in creating and caring for the common good remains a prophetic dream instead of a prophetic reality. You've lost sight of true religion and right relationships, Jesus says, when traditions of bodily cleanliness take on more importance than ensuring dignity and respect and personhood and protecting them. But if you're a Pharisee of the first century, or if you're a faithful Christian in the 21st century who reads their Bible every day and also knows germs are everywhere, you may well think your view of true religion is just fine. You like your worshiping community just the way it is. And like that other old adage says that my mom used to say and still says, cleanliness is next to godliness. Now for my part, I feel like I'm pretty good about not doing these things that defile. I feel like I'm being pretty good about being open to religious expression. I like worshiping in different congregations, as long as I don't feel smothered by patriarchy and traditional values. 
which I'm not even sure the people who say traditional values agree on what those are. I don't know. So in my heart of hearts, I think true religion is fine when I agree with it. I like worshiping with people that already affirm what I believe. So it doesn't take me long to get defensive about what Jesus is saying. Which tells me I've got work to do. I know I need to put myself in places that make me realize when I've let upholding tradition become more important to me than creating relationships. When I'm so focused on getting to church that I forget I'm called to be the church wherever the Spirit leads. I need to do what Jesus does. Leave familiar places of tradition and power where communities worship like me, speak like me, look like me, and go to the margins. Go somewhere else where I look different and faith is expressed in other ways. Go somewhere where I'm not in the majority. And then to speak again the words that I hold as core values to see if anything has changed in me. No matter what, I believe that Jesus is God's son, sent by love, in love, and for love of all creation. And I also think that means since Jesus was sent to be like us, Emmanuel, Jesus wrestled with his humanity from time to time. Though son of God, Jesus was raised in a culture that had rules and regulations about how to react and interact with other cultures. Jesus went to Tyre and Sidon, the land of the Gentiles, and before that, the land of the Canaanites. The people who were in the land when Joshua brought all those wandering Israelites out of the wilderness to claim it for their own. So here, in this land, historically debated and contested, Jesus meets a woman who brings his humanness to his awareness. This Canaanite woman, this Canaanite mother, is going to teach Jesus what he's just taught about right relationships is also a lesson he can practice. She comes out to meet Jesus, meeting him at the border. Mercy pleads her case as she is determined with a mama bear kind of ferocious love for her child that demands Jesus hear her out. This mama violates boundaries. Boundaries set up because of ethnicity, heritage, religion, gender, and demon possession. She must even contend with Jesus' reluctance to violate that ethnic boundary but contend she does. To put it in a modern-day term, she was giving a lengthy speech. She had appeared to violate the rule. She was warned. She was given an explanation. Nevertheless, she persisted. And it's her persistence that Jesus calls faith. She believes 
that she and her daughter are people who should benefit from God's ruling activity. She took the circle of faith in her own hands and stretched it over herself and her daughter. And in doing so, she helped Jesus see he was more than what culture said he could be. He could do more than what tradition said he could do. By stretching that circle, she showed Jesus where the next step in his mission of mercy to Israel also included Gentile territory as well. So this mother and her daughter are partners with Jesus and all of the disciples in making Isaiah's prophetic dream a prophetic reality, declaring that the house of God is a house of prayer for all nations, for traditions are held but not clenched, space is made for more than one interpretation of common good, and people learn the dance of jubilant defiance in the face of adversity. And now, because we've heard her story, she has drawn that circle and stretched it to hold us to. For we are children of God, but raised in a culture with still strict rules and regulations on how to relate with others. But we're included in this circle. And because we're included, it's also our turns to take our corners our edges of the circle, and work in our own ways to expand where we are, to make it wider, to bring it over, to stretch it, just like this mama, just like Jesus learned he could do from his mama and this mama, and so inspired all of us to do the same. For as Christians and as a congregation, we're called to be faithful in this tension, between tradition and faithfulness, not to resolve it, but to live in the middle of it, which means we're a little uncomfortable because we're always a bit off-center. We're called to be with people who, by their persistence, their stories, and their faith, prompt us to realize the times when we've been more preoccupied with washing hands and stockpiling sticks and stones for defending tradition been about cleansing hearts and minding our words for the healing of the nations. So may we persist in doing what is right, in the right way, even when it offends, it's not if, but when it offends the centers of power. May we take what we do here, what we say here, out from this place to draw the circle of transformation grace and mercy wide. And may the words of our mouths, the meditations of our hearts, be pleasing and acceptable to God, our rock and our redeemer, our boundary breaker, and our Messiah of mercy. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.